Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, and I am called the Intern Whisperer. You might be asking why. Well, we'll save that for another episode, but hopefully you've been listening to the show for a while and you know why. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and today's tip of the week is a continuing series on unconscious bias. So today we're going to be talking about confirmation bias, and that is the inclination to draw conclusions about a situation or person based on your personal desires and beliefs and prejudices rather than an unbiased merit. Now, in hiring, confirmation bias often plays a detrimental role at the very beginning of the process when you first review a candidate. And many of us have done this. We already know, oh, what is that name? What does that mean? We all have those inclinations to have some type of a an idea of what we think that bias would be. When we first review a resume and we form an initial opinion of the candidate, it's based on inconsequential attributes like their name, where they're from, where they went to school, and so forth. This opinion can follow you into the interview process and consequently steer questions to confirm the initial opinion of the candidate. We don't want to do that. That's not right and it's not fair. We don't want to have those biases coming in. So how can you avoid that? Well, every interview will lend itself to a unique conversation based on the individual's background. It is important to ask standardized skills-based questions that provide each candidate with a fair chance so that they can stand out. This will help prevent your team from asking too many off-the-cuff questions that may lead to confirmation bias. So welcome to the Interim Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work. So welcome to the Interim Whisper. Today's guest, I'm so excited to have her, is Lauren Prager, CEO of Synapse Florida. Lauren, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I remember when I first met you and it was over in Tampa and you were over there at Synapse. It was whatever, I don't know, it's like three, four years ago, sometime. It seems forever long, but I've known you for a while and I've just been watching you and you're always so bubbly, so upbeat. So I've been looking forward to this show for quite a while. Well, thank you. I'm glad that that's what you see as we're running around an arena or connecting with people. And, you know, throughout the community, you see the positive energy that we try to infuse into the community. So glad that's what you've come away with. It is. It is that and so much more. So on our show, we talk about education, innovation and the future of work and industry. So we're always I always kick off the show with tell us five words about yourself and why those five words. This was a very, very interesting exercise because I don't know how often we have a moment to pause for a little bit of self-reflection. And um, and so thank you for the exercise. Thanks for the opportunity. Mm. You know, the first word that really came to mind was curious and being curious is something that has helped me accomplish my goals and um, and be a part of this community. It really just is about asking questions and, and really being an active listener. I look around our world every day. I talk to incredibly passionate and smart people and I just want to learn 
where their interests came from, why they feel so strongly about the things that they care about, um, how they envision being able to change the world and why they think it's so necessary. I just, I'm really curious and really about people. And um, so that's a key um, a word that I feel really encapsulates kind of where I am and, and how I see myself and just really always looking to connect and to learn. Very good. So another word you said was compassionate. Why compassionate? I think a lot about people and, um, you know, in the work that I get to do as part of Synapse, um, being in a nonprofit role, I think a lot about opening doors for people, whether, um, you know, they've had opportunities or not. And I really try to put myself in their position and understand um, some of the barriers that they've experienced in their in their in their lives, even if we have very different experiences growing up um, and and how I can show some empathy for what they're trying to create and remove barriers to the best of our ability for them. And showing compassion is very, very human. And sometimes I think that we've lost some of that. So for me, being compassionate is about creating opportunity and channeling that in a way that can be very productive. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. How about resourceful? Yeah, well, um, Aren't we all, Isabella? I mean, yeah. in, some, in some degrees to be successful in anything that you do personally, professionally, I think you have to be resourceful. None of us have enough of the time, talent, or treasure that we wish we had to do what it is we hope to do. And so being resourceful, finding ways to um, be uh, creative and do more with less and really focus on your goal to um, use those resources to the best of your ability is um, is the goal. I constantly am aspiring to be more resourceful and it's and learning new tools and tricks of the trade. And, um, you know, one of my mentors in my early in my career shared a parable that speaks to this. And it's something I, I share often at home and think about. Um, there's a little boy who wanted to chop down a tree and he had a big sharp axe and it was hard for him to, to wield the axe and he did his best and he wasn't really making much of a dent. And he said to his dad, I don't know what to do. I'm as strong as I can be. I'm using this sharp axe. And the father said, well, are you using all of your resources? Are you using all of your strength? And the little boy said, yes, of course. And he said, well, you haven't asked me for help. And we forget sometimes that being resourceful, sometimes it's just a matter of looking around you and creating space for others to be a part of your mission and allowing them to help you. And um, I think about that a lot too. And again, in the work that I'm privileged to get to do, that asking people for help, creating space for them to be a part of your goal or mission is part of being resourceful. Wow, that's really insightful. I thought you were going to say something completely different there, but the child just didn't even recognize going to his dad for help. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This happened in my house just the other day. <laughs> my daughter was trying to do something and she was struggling and I waited for her to say, will you please help me? And finally she did. And I said, great, now that you've asked for help, I'm happy to step in and help you. And she was fine. It was nothing major. But sometimes we forget that if we just simply ask others to step in, we have the chance to really create a lot of create bonds and work together towards a shared mission. And we're stronger when we really do work together. And sometimes people just, they need to be asked. Yeah. that's a It's a really, sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Oh, 
just pure wisdom coming out of your mouth right now. So good. I'm loving it. Okay. Innovator. Yes. This is a word that <laughs> six years ago, five years ago, would not have applied to me or so I would have thought. You know, I always thought about innovation as being tech and I cannot code anything for anything. And I kind of joke that I'm the Luddite of our group. I really am not into the latest in hard tech. Um, but I've come to understand that innovation and being an innovator is about having an idea and pursuing it to execution. As our friend Jeff Hoffman has said, ideas are valued execution is worshipped. And when you are an innovator, you see an opportunity to make a change, to improve a situation, and then you're willing to take the risks and the steps necessary to do your best to make it possible, to bring it into fruition. And um, so I see that you can be an innovator, yes, in tech, in, uh, in all those ways that we think about, but art and music and food and drinks, those are areas of innovation. Think about an artist who innovates literally every time that person picks up a pen or a brush and creates something that never existed before and inspires all of us. Um, there's innovation in the way that we connect with each other, the way that we do um, our daily tasks. There's something new that we can create and if we choose, we can expand upon that and others can learn from that. And so. I think of myself now as an innovator um, in a way that I never would have before. And it's different from the way others do. And that's a beautiful thing, but it allows me, I think, to connect in a space that I never felt welcomed in before I discovered Synapse and, the, and this community. And now I feel very much at home here. Hmm. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense, too, because when you work in a high tech industry, like yourself, you're surrounded by all types of things that, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. But we may not see ourselves in that same lens, right? Absolutely. Absolutely not. And um, you don't have to come from that world of, of tech and engineering only to be a part of creating. And um, what I love about where we kind of are now as a society is we've recognized that each of us has something unique to contribute. Now, it's up to us to take up that space, to show up fully and to participate. But there are opportunities to make an impact in whatever the thing is that you care about that that motivates or animates you and gets you out of bed every day. Mm. All right. Connector. I've already experienced that. So you did connections with me. So thank you. Yeah, that's I mean, um, for me, that's really just who I am, who I've always been. And um, personally, growing up, I just I, I like I said, I really am interested in people um, and understanding what makes them tick, what they need, how to support their goals and dreams. And that's a huge part of what we get to do here with Synapse. And it's been who I have been always as I kind of thought about my life and being a connector, really helping people to find what they need and share what they have and not just create any connection, but a meaningful and valuable connection is a really special role to get to play. And when you mm -hmm. see it work and it sparks, it's really very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is the word that I have for you. This is how I see you. I see you as somebody that is very grounded. And I think that a person can be grounded, but they can also be reaching for stars and being able to connect those together. Those aren't contradictory 
perspectives in your mind? They are. They are. Okay. Yeah, they are. So when you're grounded, you know, you're you're going to be able to see things, you know, clearly. But when you're up there with the stars, you can see from a different vantage point. So that's where I think real innovation comes. These are my conversations that I've had with you previous to all of this, but yeah. also because we had another conversation and it was separate and it was about, you know, just our faith and then how we viewed life life itself. And I feel like you're, you've got to be one of the best moms around for a kid to grow up with. It's so positive. It's so, they're allowed to make mistakes. There's just so much that's going on there and your kids are lucky. Your husband must be lucky. So, you know, they should be, you guys must be, yeah, you're grounded. (laughs) An innovator. And the next time I'm feeling the antithesis of being grounded, then I will try to channel that and focus because it's a struggle like everyone. You know, um, a lot of times people say they strive for balance and I really push back against that perspective. And actually, I'll give a a credit to my friend, um, Sheena, who is- Oh, I love Sheena. Community. And she and I had this conversation a couple of years ago and we're talking about this desire everybody has for balance. And we said, you know, that- implies that in life you're you're unbalanced things are off balance Mm -hmm. and you're constantly striving for something that is unattainable i just don't i cannot imagine a, a moment where things are truly balanced but what we can strive for is harmony and sometimes things are a little bit more intense in work and a little bit more, uh, you know, chill at home or vice versa. Sometimes home is crazy and chaotic and, you know, at work, you've got it all, you know, you've, you've got a rhythm and you're in a good place. And hopefully what you can have is harmony. Mm-hmm. And I strive for that and, and, and try to give myself and, and my family and our team a lot of grace to aspire for, to, to harmony in their lives and professionally and personally and support them when things really are, are not in, in that, harmonious way. Maybe it's because music's a big part of my life. And so I think a lot about harmony. And sometimes when you Mm -hmm. hear one line of song independent from another, it doesn't sound right. It sounds off key or off beat. But when you bring it all together, you have a beautiful layered piece. And that's the, the, that's what harmony creates. And I strive for that as best as I can. Not perfect by any stretch, but it's aspirational. Yes. I think that's really the best thing that we can do is I don't think that I like the word strive rather than try. Try to me means uh, there's still a way out, but strive sounds like you're really pushing the boundaries. So I'm glad you used that word. Yeah. You got to make an effort. Yeah. Good choice. All right. Uh, how did you get started in your career? Did you know that you always wanted to be in, let's say, events or in professional associations? Or nope. where where did you go to school? And then how did you end up here? Because I know Brian, and you were like his right-hand person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how did I end up here? Like, I think most uh, most of us, no one's path is linear. And mine certainly wasn't. I never expected to be living in Florida and um, part of a business focused organization helping entrepreneurs and innovators and business leaders find their 
purpose and 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 express their goals and connect in in this sort of meaningful way. And it's just really been because I've had, like I said, this curiosity and love for people and willingness to ask questions about things that I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. And then really actively listen to what people had to say and then be willing to say, oh, but did you know about this opportunity or this individual or this experience that aligns with what your needs or goals are that you just shared and then bring them together? And that's really been the common thread through my entire career and um, and being open and willing to say yes to things that were unanticipated. That's how my husband and I met singing in an acapella group in college. Um, oh my we saw, gosh. <laughs> we saw the talking on, um, on the quad one night and I thought, well, let me give it a try. And I showed up the next night and I'm doing my audition. I thought, Oh, that guy, he's kind of cute. And I got into the group and, um, that was 20, uh, 23 years ago. So oh my here we gosh. are. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of creating those space for opportunities. And that's also how I got involved with Synapse. I moved to Florida on July 4th, 2013. Our family of three, soon to be four, moved from the Northeast down to Florida. We took the auto train, which was a fun adventure, and um, and uh, lived in Jacksonville for a year before moving to Tampa. And I was able to spend time really focusing on on family and decided I was ready to get into work again. And I really missed that focus and that part of myself. And so a friend said, you know, a buddy of mine is putting together a conference. And in my previous role, while I wasn't an events planner, I was a content curator and a relationship curator and an educator. And so he said, maybe you want to be a part of this. And so I said, yes. Um, I offered to volunteer and offered um, you know, five to 10 hours a week to help to curate the content for the very first Synapse Summit. This was January, 2018. The event was March, 2018. And I knew nothing about business, tech, innovation. Um, I'm Googling what is AI, what is ML? I'm asking people, what's a VC again? And how does that differ from an angel investor? And how does this all fit together again? I was just willing to ask questions. But what was amazing is how generous people were with their knowledge, how excited they were to share, how passionate they are for the things that they're working on. And as I started to meet people and they would share what they're working on, I'd see the connections and I'd be able to kind of create these conversations that didn't exist before because we were able to break down silos and make those meaningful, intentional partnerships through conversation. And it it was it, it was really awesome. So that's for me been really the common thread is those personal connections driven through curiosity. Mm. That is so really that that was a lot of energy in there. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. Okay, so here we are at Synapse, but wait, let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about Synapse. It's a nonprofit organization, right? Yes, it yeah. is. And so a lot of people may not know that. And it was also founded by somebody else that's been a guest on the show, Brian. Yeah, you met several, several of our leaders and, and advocates and volunteers and friends on your show, which is was awesome. When I went through the previous segments, I was felt like I was amongst family, which is kind of um, a re- great representation of what Synapse has created, this like really warm community of people who are all dedicated to helping each other achieve our goals and, and make our communities stronger, help people um, 
become the innovators that they hope to be and open pathways for each other. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, very much so. So when you met Brian and you said that you had very little background, you mentioned that you had been a teacher. I'm curious, what did you teach? Oh, I was not a teacher in the formal sense of the word. Okay. I know that, yes, I know that you are an educator by training and I have unbelievable respect for our educators. It is a very hard job. It is. Um, but I really focus more on informal educators, education, um, I, and in my different leadership roles and different professional roles. It really all came down to teaching people about complex issues or about values and um, helping them to see a bigger picture and how they can fit in. So, um, and also I think anybody who's a parent is a teacher. Anybody who's a sibling is a teacher. As friends and colleagues, we're teachers every day. And I try really hard to remember that also. Yeah, that's very true. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I think that we learn from nature. Um, I can learn just as easily from something that my dog would do versus something that would be, I don't know, uh, something that might be a tree. There's so many things that we can observe in nature and in just life in general, if we just slow down and look at it, like, like you've said, you know, we have to be present. We have to be there. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the upcoming event that's going to be happening here in Synapse. It's the Meta Center. It's all of these great things. Three events all joining forces together here in Orlando. It's in October. Let's talk about that. So what's really amazing about how the Florida innovation community has grown very quickly in the last few years is that there's now coalescing in each of our different communities, really strong centers of innovation, and they have their their own unique dynamics and partners. And the other quality that I find makes Florida really unique, and I hear this from people who move here from other markets, is that we really do aim to collaborate. That mantra, the rising tide lifts all ships, it's true. And we have a tendency here to not just say that, but live that and create pathways to partner. And that's certainly the foundation for Synapse. One of the posters behind me, I'm trying to figure out where to go. You can't read it in the glare, but trust me when it says the values begin with community first. Mm -hmm. And that's very intentional. And we are a nonprofit for that reason, to serve the community. So back in 2019, when we hosted, again, a statewide innovation celebration, it's really all about showcasing all of the talent in our state, bringing everybody together in one place to demonstrate the density and the creativity and the connectivity. We invited the leadership from the Orlando community to come and, and participate and speak about what's going on in Orlando that most people don't know. And we were all really blown away and learned a ton. And they were equally blown away by the way that the Synapse community came together. It's rare to see people from diverse industries or technologies or communities all under one roof. It's very rare to see CEOs and chief technology and information officers alongside of startup founders and students and early stage investors and policymakers and educators in one space, learning together, connecting together, um, no barriers. 
And that's what we create. That is the space, the sacred space that we make at Synapse. And so we were invited to create a similar experience in the Orlando community alongside the Orlando business community's leadership. And that's how Synapse Orlando was born. And we're really proud of that story because it reflects our ethos of connecting and collaborating. And so in 2019, we hosted the first Synapse Orlando gathering. It was at Ace Cafe for those of you who are listening in our local, which is for mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, it's a motorcycle bar. Um, it used to be a music venue. So there's a big built-in stage and lots of different rooms. And it was awesome. And the energy was unbelievable. And it was a packed house, totally sold out, 1,200 people who came. And they wanted to be a part of this. And we had an amazing experience together. And we covered, as we always do within Synapse, a lot of different industries. And that's another unique experience of being part of this community. We can learn so much if we're willing to step outside of our silo for a moment. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And then, of course, COVID, we took a little break. And when we returned in 2021, we came to the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center, which is a truly magnificent and very innovative space in downtown Orlando. Um, and uh, use that venue to host, again, this beautiful community of innovators and connectors with networking and workshops and thought leadership and, and exhibition. And it was just it's and it's fun and inspiring and everybody felt like was there um, and it's continued to grow and grow. And this year, as the Orlando community continues to grow and evolve and connect, um, we were invited to partner with um, the Immerse Global Summit, which is coordinated through the VRAR Association and Innovate Orlando, which is coalescing the Orlando tech community to host this MetaCenter Global Week three immersive days of activities and networking and workshops and thought leadership, both at the Dr. Phillips Center and through experiences in the streets of downtown Orlando after hours, concerts and um, uh, global musical act. I don't know if that'll be announced. It's it's locked in, but I'm, I don't know if the timing for this podcast, but really, really creating an amazing festival of innovation. And what's so special about this is that we're bringing together the best of the global community alongside the best of the Central Florida local community with really integrated content, really integrated sessions where people are actually going to be able to connect and learn from each other. That doesn't exist. Usually conferences, they'll fly into the airport, they'll take their Uber over to a convention center and then they'll leave. They don't actually get to connect with the local community. And this is different. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. Do you, uh, this is a total side sidebar conversation, but you know Chris Kremitzos, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're at Embark, right? Yes. And our kids go to the same school and we see each other and drop off in the morning. <laughs> well, Chris has been a guest on my show a couple of times. But he's the podcast guru. So that cool. is he is the podcast guru. And he's having something October 10th. Uh, he's wanting to have Podfest, uh, a Podfest tour here in Orlando. And I went, I don't know, is he trying to tie it into the same thing that, you know, is going on the week later? I'm not sure. Do you I don't know? know? I don't but, know. You know it's a global week. So what's also very cool is that there's there are, there are activities going on literally throughout the week. So some of it is associated with the event and some of it is being hosted by organizations like Startup Weekend Orlando right afterwards. Um, 
There's a new organization, the Black Innovation Leaders of Florida, and they're doing a tour of innovation communities around the state. And their um, stop in Orlando is also going to be aligned that week intentionally. So when we talk about bringing the big community together, we are really serious and very intentional about it. And we welcome that because we want to create a space for everybody to be part and try our best to make that as accessible and possible as we can. Hmm. Well, if you could go and talk to Chris and see if he would like to move it to another week at the same time, that would be awesome. I'm going to well, ask. Okay. You, you, we'll check it out, but if not, we'll find another opportunity to collaborate for sure. Okay. He's awesome. I love him so much. Okay. So one of the things that we had mentioned is that we were going to talk about space and about how we need to create space when you want to be able to talk about your business. This can all be so overwhelming, as we all know, in innovation and in startup lives, right? But what did you mean by saying that we should be focused on getting space? And that's what Synapse does. Yeah, well, so some people are not familiar with what a synapse is. They think it's a word we created. It is not. A synapse actually exists. It's the junction between two nerve cells. It's a it's a minute microscopic gap that enables impulses to pass from one to another. And if you take a moment to think about the power of just the most minute space to create something new, something transformative, that's what Synapse was created to do. Just a little bit of space, a little bit of intentionality that allows two ideas, two impulses to connect can literally change the world. And so when we think about our role, it's to create space where those connections can take place. Now, not all connections are created equal. You need to know the right people. You need to know the right needs. And, you know, and it's always about creating opportunities. But without that sacred space, we can't make those connections. And that's what Synapse is. And that's our role in this ecosystem. Our mission is to connect and catalyze Florida's innovators. And to do that, you need to create a a space for them to find each other. Mm -hmm. That is very true. I I was so when I went to my first synapse and I was able to, I didn't even realize that there was one in Tampa and we had one in Orlando and I was just trying to figure it all out. So you guys, your home base is in Tampa, but you've joined forces with this side of Orlando. Do you anticipate growing more? Well, we're already grown. I mean, we've grown. We're a statewide organization and we um, we exist um, to connect the state. So we work really, really hard to cultivate partnerships with um, incubators, accelerators and tech hubs all throughout the state to, with educational institutions and investor groups so that we can understand what they need, what resources they have to offer and how we can help people to discover those opportunities to, again, strengthen the Florida innovators and the innovation community. So we have partnerships with uh, organizations from Pensacola to Jacksonville, from Naples to Palm Beach, um, Miami to Melbourne, and you know Gainesville to St. Pete. We just, everybody has a home base and ours is in Tampa, but we really are very mindful about that. And what we have become really is kind of a way for people to navigate the Florida market. 
they come together through synapse and um, are able to kind of put their arms around what's going on in Florida, um, the density of opportunity. And we get calls all the time saying, I'm looking for this type of a resource or I'm trying to build X, Y, or Z. Do you know anybody? And that's where we connect our network and we make personal introductions. And it's been really rewarding to see how that's resulted in some very, very strategic and very impactful growth for businesses and for the communities as a whole. Mm. This is all great stuff. I cannot wait until October, you know, like when we actually are all together in the one place. Yeah. All there's right. something so magical about being together. And after, you know, we, we were bringing folks together and then obviously with with COVID and everyone being separated, there was this sense of longing. And I see it even now um, as we've gotten back into a world where being in person is more normative. We're talking virtually and that's wonderful, but man, it is so much nicer when we get to be together in person. Mm -hmm. You just can, can connect so differently and those barriers are gone and we have an opportunity to really um it's just more casual more more human and mm -hmm. um, that's very very special yeah it's sensory that's why because yes. the more of our senses we use right the ability to hug somebody to be able to see you know have lunch with them you're using more of your senses it becomes very yeah it's just really great yeah it's all very right. cool when we all get together and there are lots of hugs. I don't know how many people hug at conferences, but I see people all around synapse events, small and large, and they hug. It's old friends. It's kind of mm -hmm. neat. So we're going to switch gears here. We're going to talk about some of the things that make you so unique. Um, the favorite quote that you live by, I think it's in the background. Oh, yes. You asked me to put this out there. So for anybody watching on the video feed. It's not so much a quote, it's more of a mantra. And I, I don't know if there's anyone to whom I should attribute it, but this is what I share with my daughters when I send them off to school every morning. And it's almost like a, you know, a, a mantra for myself. And that is to make it a great day. Um, oftentimes we say, have a great day, but there's a sense of passiveness within that that um, refrain. And when you remind our, when I remind myself or, our, or my family to make it a great day, you have to be active in creating the outcomes that you want. No one is going to hand you a great day on a silver platter. You have to make it. And it's not always going to be the day you want. And how you respond to that, how you shape the experiences and the opportunities. Well, that is to most degree, and you know, to some degree, in your control. And so I try to really remind myself every day is my opportunity to make it a great day. I love that. And for our, our audio listeners, she actually has this sign in the background. So I encourage you to go over to our YouTube channel just so you can see Lauren with make today a great day on it. And it's a good reminder. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life, we'll say for the better? Um, <laughs> I'd say the limits of time and space. <laughs> <laughs> How mortal um, we are, you mean? Oh my gosh, we're mortal? That's a, different, that's a different podcast and one worth worth getting into, but 
um, mortality for sure. But yes, I mean, sometimes there's a sense of urgency about everything and, and you can't have a sense of urgency about everything. So, so that's been really challenging. I want to do it all now. I want it to happen quickly. And we live in a society where if we don't, I was chatting with a colleague earlier and she said, oh, I might, I don't get my delivery next day. I just, I can't handle it. But that sense of the limits of time and space, and it really does make you reflect on what is the most important thing that you're working on and why, what is it that you truly need, and how can you prioritize that with your, your limited energy or your limited resources and, and focus on what's most important to you. Hmm. You are, yes, I want you to write a book. <laughs> I would buy your book. Would you? Yes, yes okay. I would. Great. Yeah. I need a title for the book. Mm -hmm. You need, need what? A title. We need a title for the book. I think the title should be Make It a Great Day. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Make today a great day. But that's the sign. But it can be Make It a Great Day if you have to eliminate a word. Make okay. every day a great day. All right. What are you most grateful for? Oh, man. Um, there's a very long list, but... Um, I have an, an, I've been really, really fortunate to have some incredible people in my life who allow me the space to try and create and do and are there for me when things don't go quite as I planned. And um, I really do believe you get back the energy that you put into the world. And so hopefully that is because, you know, I'm hopefully putting good energy out and providing people with the same sort of support that I do. But I, I really do feel a sense of gratitude every day. I try to be that person who notices the flowers and the leaves changing and how the sun comes through the trees just as I walk my daughter to school and feel gratitude for the ability to do that. I feel gratitude for my family. I feel gratitude for this opportunity to be part of such a special community and not just a part of it, now to really help shape it. And um, the, the, that's not ever lost on me. So I just feel an immense amount of gratitude for the people in my life. Who in your life has had the biggest impact? Oh, my kids, for sure. There's nothing more humbling than becoming a parent. <laughs> and I'm so, so fortunate to have the two best girls in my life. They reflect the best of me and the stuff about me <laughs> that I wish didn't. They keep me honest. They keep me silly. Um, they are, um, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. And, you know, I tell, tell them often, um, I'm not raising kids. I'm raising adults. If you turn 18 and you're a kid, I've done something terribly wrong. And my husband, and I joke about that all the time. And they are just wonderful young women and little girls. And I've got one of each and I just adore them. So for sure, those are my people. I love that you recognize that you are raising adults because I have said that too. I said, you know, a parent's job is to raise their child to be able to function for themselves, to be able to not be needy to not necessarily want, but to be resourceful. All of the things that you use to describe yourself, you, your children are going to be in such a good, healthy place 
because they can see their parents as a place of of safety if needed, but also as a resource of wisdom and knowledge that they can just draw from. Well, thank you. I, I, we, you know, Ariel and I strive for that and um, appreciate that. Yeah. And I remind the girls all the time. So when they, you know, have to do certain things that they don't necessarily want to do, I said, I'm just preparing you for life, kiddo. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. So then my next, let me get over here so I can see my last question. Oh, what do you want to be remembered for? Oh. That's, I was hoping you'd maybe skip that question. Um, that's a hard question. It is hard. Question. Yeah, it is hard. It says a lot, I think, how a person sees that. Yeah. Because, that's because a- you know what I hope that people see when they hear that question? They, I hope that they see themselves as very significant because I think that in our world that sometimes we don't see how much impact we make and that little ripple can go around the world because we're all significant. It's funny that you use that word. I, I kind of see myself as quite insignificant. I, I see myself as one. And this was actually a dinner table conversation at our house last week. Um, very small moment, a very small part of an infinite history and an infinite future. And, and who knows what will be. And I'm doing my best to create positivity and opportunity in the world and to truly, you know, make it make it a great day, make it a great place, make it the place I want to live in and um, show up every day with those values in mind. So that is that is what I hope to be remembered for, that I lived my values and inspired others to follow theirs as well. I agree with you. I always feel that a, a person can, we are insignificant, but what I do is I go out at night and I look at all of the stars that are out there and I go, wow, look at all of those stars. It's amazing. And and it does make me feel that, yes, I can be insignificant, but it is, you know, that faith that is uh, in me, um, God, that I sit here and I realize, no, I'm not, I, I'm because of who's in me. I am very significant and we never know the impact that we have on the people around us and it can ripple around the world. So that for sure is true. And that little pebble that ripples out that I see, and I feel so much going back to your word gratitude that I have an opportunity to hopefully um, bring some positivity through that and make that impact that makes a difference. So um, it's amazing, you know, being insignificant, it doesn't mean that you still don't have an impact. Um, so just in the grand scheme of things, I try to understand my place and do what I can. Um, and again, using the resources, the support, the community around us to create space for them to thrive allows all of us to do our work better and make that impact even bigger. Together, we are quite significant. Yep, I totally, totally agree. Okay, so we're going to take a few minutes to acknowledge our sponsor, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. 
Now we're back to the second half of our show, and we're going to be talking about the future of jobs and industries. What is 2030 going to look like? As all of my listeners know, this is an open-ended question. It is just purely speculation because none of us know. So what do you think 2030 will look like? Because you're surrounded by people that are in innovation. I wish I knew. (laughs) I wish I had a crystal ball. None of us do. But um, I can tell you what I hope it looks like. Mm -hmm. And and we'll see. I mean, I understand I'm in a world of tech and innovation. But um, what we thought to be true three years ago isn't the case now. And what we thought would be true today um, will not be. So I, I think it's important to really keep an open mind. And, you know, a year ago, nobody knew what chat GPT was, except for the people who were working on chat GPT. And now um, we see how it's literally reshaping almost everything we do in every aspect of society. So I think anybody who tells you they know what 2030 is going to look like, it's only 2023. It's not that long from now. Um, they're, they're, I understand there is futurist, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope that it's a world in which we're using technology to better enhance and connect our humanity instead of replace it. And that's my fear. You hit the key right there because to be able to remember that we're human is so key. And it is humanity, humans that choose what our future is going to look like, not the machines. That's right. But we have to create the urgency and the framework to ensure that we are building technology in a way that allows us to hold on to our humanity and not supplant it and not allow the ease of some solutions to prevent us from doing the things that make us uniquely human, problem solving and love and connection in ways that nothing else in our world, in our universe that we know of today does. And Technology can allow us freedom to do more of the things that we love and to be more human, but it can also prevent us from connecting. And all you need to do is look at the really, really frightening statistics about how utilization of technology and social media and other tools has impacted statistics around loneliness and longevity, mental health. You know, technology can do so much, but are we really creating a framework to use it in the best way possible? That's our responsibility. And we're in this unique new wave of tech and innovation. And we understand some of the pitfalls that we've had in the in the last iteration. And now we're in this kind of next revolution. Are we learning from the lessons and, and errors of the past or are we just repeating them um, with new and even more powerful tools? And Unfortunately, I'm not convinced that we've learned our lessons because it's hard to undo what we've done and um, maybe we shouldn't, but it's it's hard to take those steps. So I really applaud the people who are who are looking at evolving technologies and asking those questions about the ethical impacts of them, the societal impacts on them and creating space so that we can, again, reconnect people to people, person to person, and using technology in a positive way. I mean, look, it's allowing us to have this conversation and, you know, Mm -hmm. we're on ends of the state and that's a beautiful thing, but technology has opportunities and it also has opportunity costs and we shouldn't forget who we are. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. And because you opened it up with ethics, I think that we should go and, and talk about that also. Because one of my biggest concerns is, well, first off, I'm going to take a step back. I, I heard some type of a movie trailer and it was on, I don't know, Netflix or something or wherever they are. Um, and it said, we never should have let AI out of the box. And I went, okay, that's very foreboding. You know, it's like, there's a lot of discussion about that right now and it's out of the box. So what do we do with it? I saw that movie trailer too. And it's, you know, one of those scary moments and right. they try to, you know, it's Hollywood, but you know, AI isn't some new thing that just was invented two years ago. This concept of artificial intelligence has, has been, you know, 50 years in yes. the beginning. Mm-hmm. So people forget, they think that this is just something that was created overnight, and it's absolutely not. But it still means that how we use it and what it what the implications are of it, those have evolved, and it can be used for incredible good. There's a lot that we're going to be able to do as a result of these tools and technologies. Um, I don't think we should be afraid of it, but I do think we need to address it and have honest conversations with the people who are building this tools. We as society and consumers need to be mindful of how we're using it. What are the consequences to our own our own brain, our own capabilities as a result of using it? What are we giving up? What information about ourselves are we giving up? What, uh, what are we not learning about ourselves or our world by allowing um, certain tools to um, really, like I said, you know, take the place of um, learning in a more traditional way, but maybe it opens us up to other experiences, um, being in nature, less time in front of a screen. If it allows us to write things more clearly and more quickly, and then we use that time to connect with each other person to person, to spend time with loved ones and family and friends, um, to do things that are fun and social and unique and to make those human connections. Then I think technology can be used for good. I think allowing people to be able to work in a hybrid way, some people from home, it gives them now career opportunities they never could have had before. It could create greater equality, greater opportunity for people. Um, to live a different type of a life. But it's also an enormous barrier. Nothing is, we talked about this before we got on. I think very little is black and white. There is a lot of gray. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at this evolving world of technology, that's a big part of it. I think, you know, there's there's lots of good that can be. We just have to really be mindful of that and be willing to pause when we think that there could be challenges. And if you look at where things are with generative AI, AI right now, we are very, very much in the early stages. And um, we need to be having more open and honest and candid conversations and not just talking, but doing, taking baby steps if we can and being really aware of the impacts of these technologies on our choices in our society. Is this something that will be addressed at the Synapse event that's coming up, the Med- there Meta is Center? The Meta Center Global Week, absolutely. Absolutely. And it and it and not just once. It's just something as Synapse and other 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 and I hope that you have guests who are experts in this who will talk about this, but um because we certainly are Synapse connects people all throughout the year. This is the topic. Business leaders want to understand what are the implications if their if their um, staff uses these tools to create something? Who owns it? How do they utilize it? Um, there are just there are layers and layers of questions about how AI is impacting everything from business to education and 
we have to talk about it. I agree. Do you know if any, um, because I'm exploring this, I'm wanting to find like, what are the either global or if we have a national or maybe it's just a state presence in this place of uh, ethical AI, is that like a, a group that's been started to your knowledge? Because you you know of a lot of things that other people may not. I know of a lot of individual resources, but none so connected. But I think you just figured out the work stream that Synapse needs to operate in right now to help to bring those Florida resources together. So yeah. thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I would love to be a part of that. If if there is any way, because I was going back and looking at World Economic Forum and then some of the other things that are out there on a national level, I'm going, well, what is it that's available that I could be a part of that addresses the ethics of AI? Because that's it's extremely important to me and very interesting to me exactly. because it impacts humanity. That's right. And we have to ask questions. We as consumers or we as innovators and we in, you know, whatever capacity, you have to ask questions. You have to mm -hmm. be mindful of what it is that you're working towards. Mm -hmm. So coming over here. Okay. What do you think about robots? Do we have robots coming over to the event that's going to be coming up here? Very soon. <laughs> We have a, a mantra that we've often said here in Synapse that robots are cool because they are. <laughs> it's fascinating. They're amazing. It's amazing to see what humans have created and how, again, they can be used for so much good. Um, we just have to be really mindful of how we are utilizing tools like robotics. Um, it's fascinating to see robotics in action. For those of you who are in Florida, there is an amazing organization um, in Tampa Bay, the um, uh, AMROC Fab Lab. They're up by USF, University of South Florida, and they host Roboticon, which is um, a competition with robots that are built by students that are um, that have to go through all sorts of obstacles in order to win. And this small nonprofit group has created literally a nationally award-winning robotics team and are training kids on these really important skills of coding and engineering and, um, and doing really, really cool work for a next generation. I think there's no doubt that this is going to have an impact on our society. But again, it's nothing we should be afraid of. We just have to understand and learn how to utilize them to our advantage, to free up time and energy, to do other things that humans are uniquely able to do and allow robotics and not personify them, but allow these, these machines to do things that humans have done but don't necessarily need to do. As long as we're mindful about this, I think it has amazing opportunity for society. We have to be mindful about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the key mantra there for that one too. I think so. Yeah, very much so. All right. Uh, do you guys work remotely? I'm curious. Um, we do somewhat work remotely. Remember, we're a statewide organization, so we have partners um, and champions who we work with who are all over the state. Um, the team sometimes will work remotely and sometimes we come together in office, actually more often than not, because I'm coming to you now from the Synapse office in downtown Tampa. And for us, 
again, it comes down to people. We're people people. So you can't share ideas as easily when you're waiting for that scheduled Zoom call. But when you overhear your colleague on a call with somebody else and she, you know, all of a sudden you have this chance to connect and share ideas and that's gold. You can't manufacture that. So yes, I personally much prefer being in office. But again, I respect that that is not an option for a lot of people. And being in a remote world has created career opportunities that would not have existed if we hadn't gone through a moment that forced us all to figure out how to be remote. Hmm. Very true. Well, we're coming to the end of the show. And my last question, well, second to last question is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners. I have two pieces of mentoring advice that um, have kept me focused along the way. Um, I already kind of shared make it a great day. And that's really true. Um, It's really up to each of us to be active. Actually, I have a few things. Um, Asking good questions or asking questions is a good way of finding things out. It sounds so obvious, but sometimes we're so worried to not be the smartest person in the room or to not know the thing that everybody says that you should know that we don't ask the question that that's on your mind and it's probably on other people's minds. And when we take our ego out of it, and we approach somebody with curiosity, we learn a lot. It's very rewarding. So ask good questions or just ask any question, hopefully a good question, and then really listen to the answer. You'll learn so much about the person with whom you're speaking, about yourself, and about whatever it is you're discussing. Oh, I totally agree. Those are my kind of two two big, big focuses. Um, The other one I say a lot is, is I can do it all sequentially, not simultaneously. This is a good mantra I find in parenting as well. (laughs) But yeah, sequentially, not simultaneously. And then finally, form follows function. I don't believe that just because we've done something before, we should do it the same way again. We have to understand what our goals are, what our needs are, and create a pathway towards that. And so those are some of the kind of common mantras I come back to and share, and I've found them to be really, really helpful along the way. Hmm. Now I think I have a new name for your book. Oh, what's that? It's going to be Lauren's Mantras. <laughs> okay. Because, well, see, I don't know if to make the bestseller list, but. Well, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll work on it. I'll, mm-hmm. When I have one, I'll text you. Sure. <laughs> Here's like an, an idea. I have some that I'm playing with for my book. I've I've got well, like yeah, a third of it done. Different. Pardon me? What's your book going to be? So I'm playing with different names, but it is about being um, how we're all community and how we need to stay human. I play yeah. with a lot of different names, but honestly, that's it. We need to remember to stay human. That's right. That's it. Seems so easy and obvious, but man. It is not. Not when you have so much technology at your fingertips, right? Just how we use it. Like this, like we get to connect and see each other, Isabella. That is right. We made time for it, too. Great. Thank you for that. So how can our listeners contact you, uh, the website, all of that? We usually give the website. We give your LinkedIn. We can find some social channels there. But how do you want people to connect with you? Well, you can always find us at SynapseFL.com. 
com. And that's our website. Of course, we're on all those social channels. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, so if you want to connect with me by social media, then that's the way. Or you can email me at lauren at synapsefl.com. And I would love to hear from you. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you disagreed with. I love a good disagreement. That's great. I love a little bit of back and forth. It helps me learn. It helps me grow. So don't be shy. Um, and tell me what you need so that Synapse can be helpful. Oh, that's perfect. That is the perfect way to end the show. And I just want to thank you so much for being a guest today. Your presence has just made my day. It's been um, a very long day, and I cannot think of a better person to end it with. Same here. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you, and I look forward to seeing you very, very soon at the next Synapse Gathering. I am excited to be there. You Thanks. take care. Take care. We want to thank our sponsor, Catfight Studios, and thank our video team, Gabe Laporte, Tommy Myers, Andrew Pigott, and Jalisa Hurtado. Music is by Charles Lead. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Internal Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean or 